Welcome to the Breakthrough Public Speaking Podcast, where you can learn how to break through your fear and become a confident speaker for both online and offline platforms. I'm your host, Serena Mann, and I'll be bringing you interviews from a range of people who share their stories, tips, and techniques, as well as the deeper insights behind what it really takes to move beyond fear, find your voice, and become a confident speaker. You're now going to hear from Andy Gorham, who was a successful corporate marketing executive for over 26 years and is now the owner of BizJuicer Consulting. Andy helps create stickier, more successful, values-driven businesses from the inside out, focusing on employee engagement, workplace culture, and their positive impact on customer experience. He's also the host of the Sticky from the Inside podcast, where he interviews guests to give their wide and varied perspectives on all those topics. In this episode, Andy will share his experience of how he went from a confident speaker in the corporate world to an entrepreneur nervous about doing videos for his new business. He'll also share the step-by-step process he used to develop his confidence and produce top quality videos. Hi, Andy. Thanks so much for joining us on this show. I'm really looking forward to to this interview. Thanks for having me today. It's, uh, It's a real pleasure. One of the things that I'd like to ask you about is your journey to becoming a confident speaker for your videos. I love your videos. I think they're they're brilliant. You speak really well on them. And so can you tell us a little bit about your journey? So you've had a background in the corporate sector. You're quite a confident person already, as I understand it. Oh, yeah. Show off. Um, <laughs> on show off. Yeah. Corporate. So I was always the guy in corporate who was wheeled out you know, on stage for big announcements or conferences or to kind of do a bit of tub thumping and, and get, get people going. Mm-hmm. And uh, you fall into a bit of a, a narcissistic trap, wow. I think, in that because I, I, I've worked in those companies for a long time. I know a lot of the people. I kind of got this reputation for being the dude that comes out and they're, they're waiting for mm-hmm. my presentation and this isn't meant to sound conceited this is the trap that you fall into right mm-hmm. so in corporate it was it was easy i got into the place where i found it so easy you know the night before a big conference when everybody's kind of writing out their scripts and putting their notes together and rehearsing into the wee small hours i'm like yeah it, it'll be fine i'll just it's my topic i know what i want to talk yes. about i'll just i'll just add lib it you know great wow. and that's why i would run over by half an hour um but nobody seemed to mind at that point, right? So corporate speaking for me was relatively relatively easy. Okay. And I think that came down to the fact that you know your topic. Mm-hmm. No one knows the topic better than you because you're working on it. Mm-hmm. And if you make a mistake, n- nobody knows, right? Yeah, um, good point. And you know the crowd. And actually, in the majority of cases, when you're talking to your own business, it's the warmest audience you're ever likely to have. Sure. Right. So that pressure sort of comes off. The pressure that I ended up feeling was, oh, my God, I need to be entertaining. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like like a David Brentism, right, to get up there and says, what are you? Yeah, well, I'm sort of half coach, half entertainer, half businessman, <laughs> half too many halves mm-hmm. and not achieving anything. Right. Yep. And I, I think. You could become a bit, and I certainly became a bit overconfident in, in some of those some of those things. So then when you come out of corporate, like I did after 25, 26 years, and you go out into the big wide world of 
uh, trying to make a living doing your own thing, but with a completely fresh audience, it's a very different environment in mm -hmm. which to start speaking. You know, I, I'm not like you. I'm not a member of Toastmasters or Professional mm -hmm. Speaking Association, probably because I'm scared I'll get found out. Um, <laughs> right. So I don't go and join, join those things. And, and maybe a little bit of residue overconfidence from corporate time that oh, I got this in my stride. Mm -hmm. But when I found that, right, I, I now need to communicate to a whole new audience. And <laughs> with our current scenario, I can't pop onto stage. No. Uh, in in conferences and stuff or be invited to those things to speak you've got to put content out there on on video really yes and for a confirmed show off like i said i can't tell you how long i procrastinated and whittled <laughs> about actually getting on with it it was ridiculous i find that so fascinating and it's to honestly i find it quite comforting because i think so many people think it's unusual to feel anxious and maybe only anxious people feel really anxious about this whole thing but it's quite nice and comforting to find that even someone who's very confident finds this actually quite uncomfortable tell, tell us more about this journey so what was it like how how did you why were you why did you think you were feeling that that sense of uh, procrastination wanting to put it off what was the anxiety about I think in my life in corporate I came with the marketing badge okay so that was my bag but I spent a lot of my time working as the conduit between uh, marketing, human resources, and operations, trying to find the one single truth for the business, the customer truth, the employee truth, and the brand truth, and make sure it was all aligned. Mm -hmm. And so when, when you're dealing with, with that sort of stuff internally, it's, it's fine. It's, 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 almost, it's almost easy because you're in complete control. When I came out and started to do my own thing, I walked away from the traditional marketing stuff that I was doing into the area that I was most passionate about, being employee engagement, workplace culture. And as a result of that, whilst it was the thing that I loved the most and had spent a lot of time doing in business, I did have that imposter syndrome thing going on in the background, mm -hmm. which whilst it was something I loved and could talk about like forever, oh, right, now I'm kind of putting myself out there as a thought leader or an expert, and they're all dodgy phrases and monikers to own because you really need to back that up. Yes. And so I'm not an academic. I'm a kind of practical guy who's done this stuff at work. I've researched a lot of it because I'm really interested, and I think I've practiced a lot of it at work. But I had this thing in my head that I wasn't the professional engagement guy. And so with that imposter syndrome kind of running around your head, I did anything else other than starting to record content. Mm -hmm. I found it easier to write blogs on topics than to put myself back on, back on camera, if you like. Sure. That seems like a quite a sensible step, though, isn't it? Just to, to create some content in a, more, in a safe environment, effectively. You, you can feel safer if you're writing something down and just posting that. Did you find that was quite helpful for just developing that initial bit of confidence? Yeah, I think what it helped me do is try and find my voice. Okay. Right. Because when I write, I write like I'm talking. That's why I'm such a bad reader. Because every book I read, I have to put voices to every character. <laughs> which is just infuriating because <laughs> people go, here's a book. Have you read that book? I sent it to you last week. I'm like, wow, I'm like at page five. You know, I'm a really slow reader. Yeah. 
so when I write stuff, I have the same sort of thing going on. I think what writing did for me was help me find my point of view, help me find my my voice, which, okay, then you've got something to work with when you start Mm -hmm. putting stuff on, on video, right? Yes. Because there's a lot of people who, who put stuff on video on, especially on LinkedIn Mm -hmm. and some, some's brilliant, Mm -hmm. right? Some's great. Some people are there just because they think they need to be there and they don't really necessarily have much to say or yeah. they are just spouting other people's words mm-hmm. and I think the guys who really stand out the guys who are really good the guys who I would love to be one day are the guys who talk really authentically and personally about a topic that they they really know inside out um, but they they come across like they're they're just chatting with you but they're just imparting little nuggets of wisdom Mm -hmm. as they go along it doesn't feel like you're being taught yeah no um it just feels like you're you're being engaged um like it's a one-on-one conversation and and i i think watching guys and then finding my voice i was like well that's what i want to do but did i really have that confidence Mm -hmm. and uh i tell you the thing that kind of shocked me out of the procrastination was was meg my my daughter Mm -hmm. Meg, she's one of the COVID kids, as in, you know, she's the first year that didn't do exams and she'd gone through school, uh, lots of issues with dyslexia and stuff and found school really hard, but she got, she got the grades that she needed to go and follow her dream, which is to go and study media makeup. And I am a boastful dad. She's super, super talented. Right. Right. But for years in her bedroom, she had started a YouTube channel Meg's makeup doing like makeup tutorials like you see on BBC glow up and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and I watched those because I'm her dad and obviously I like those because mm-hmm. I'm her dad but I got into liking and watching those things because she was good mm-hmm. she was natural she was funny without trying to be funny and and I sat there feeling really quite inadequate going <laughs> what on earth am I doing sat downstairs in my kind of home office going you know I'm really not sure I should do a video I don't think I'm good and my little 16 year old daughter's yeah. upstairs like killing it well how um, brilliant gosh you're, you're worrying about sort of posting this first video in the meantime your daughter's become a becoming a YouTube superstar oh uh, I mean like in her dreams and for Meg it's not even so much like followers and stuff mm-hmm. it was for me seeing somebody with those sort of anxieties not tons and tons of self-confidence mm-hmm. uh, because of the things that she's she has to sort of deal with and yet she can sit in front of a, a camera talk beautifully naturally engagingly is funny and at the same time creating these works of art on her face and, and i'm i'm stunned right so that's the thing that sort of really shocked me out and said just get on with it Andy. <laughs> that's brilliant Excellent. What do you think is behind her confidence then? I, I genuinely think I mean, one of the easiest things or one of the, the, the weird things people say in business is follow your dreams and follow your passion and, and everything will be cool. And I think that's a really dangerous lesson to give to people. Mm-hmm. I, I think it comes from the right place, but you actually have to have some talent in something as well. So I think if you can match up something you're good at with something you love you're well on the way to having a really purposeful life, right? Yeah, that's a great to, point. I talk to lots of people about purpose. There's this thing called ikigai, Japanese kind of thing about purpose, about finding something that you're really good at, finding something that um, you really love, 
finding something important that you can get paid for. And then the fourth piece is finding something that's going to make a difference in the world. Mm -hmm. And if you can kind of merge those four pieces, you're on your way to living a really purposeful life. And I think Meg, she's kind of in that zone. She's, yep. she's, she's piecing together her, her, her three pieces. So I think the reason why she's got confidence is because it doesn't feel like work. It no. doesn't feel like I must produce a video. She is just sitting down doing the thing that she really loves doing. It's something she's really, really good at. It's something she wants to make a career out of. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, she feels that doing what she does helps other people kind of feel confident about that sort of stuff. So she's kind of on the way to piecing up that icky guy thing. Yes, that makes perfect sense. I like how you've brought that all together. You know, it's the talent, the passion, and then that that wish to help others to to benefit in some way as well. When and when all those are coming together, I've seen that so many times before. Actually, with people that that I've worked with, that if if one element is missing, then there can be a huge level of self doubt involved, and that can really undermine your own confidence. Um, you're 100% right. Like I, I would love to be a professional rugby player. That mm -hmm. I would be passionate about that. I'd be awful and I'd be in hospital a lot, right? It's just not good enough. So, you know, following your dreams is one thing. Yeah. And, and always look for those things, but match it up to something that you, you, you're actually good at and you're well on your way, I think. Absolutely. Okay. So once you saw your daughter was doing, you know, your daughter was doing these YouTube videos, mm -hmm. you felt, okay, I've got to do something now. Come on. What was, what did you do next? Well, this is weird for me because marketer, extrovert, show off, whatever you, you want to call it. If you looked at my color insights, you know, there's a big yellow at the top, which is all about energy. There's a, a matchup between red and green and red is about getting stuff done and being, you know, directing and green is all about people. And I have an equal share of those. And then I almost have a deficit of blue, which is about process and all that kind of stuff. Mm. It doesn't mean I can't do it, but it means I have to dial it up. Right. Yeah, yeah. But the weird thing is when it came to this is that I felt I really needed a process to make me feel comfortable and confident that I was going to, you know, have something that was engaging, have something that was going to get across the points I want to get across. And really importantly to me was adding value. I think that's really important on LinkedIn videos and, yes, and YouTube absolutely. videos is add some value. Don't just show up and show off. No. Add some value for people. <laughs> and I was worried that a, a bit like now, if I just turn the camera on and start talking, I'll have a wicked time but I'm not going to make the points. Yes. And it's going to be entertaining for me but Probably not for the audience. So I felt like I really needed some, not tram lines, but some guidelines to kind of follow. Okay, great. So I kind of started to piece together a process and it evolved over time. And I think that's a really important thing to do is what, what you start doing today and the way you start doing it today isn't necessarily the way it's going to finish up. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to find the most comfortable thing for you. Mm -hmm. So I started off by literally scripting out every word like i would be talking to somebody mm -hmm. so i'm i'm effectively writing a stage script and my first few videos i kind of borrowed my daughter's ring light couldn't put it on because <laughs> my glasses just reflected i looked like really weird like I'm really weird, <laughs> yeah, that like pupils right <laughs> but i'd stuck my script pretty much around the circumference of the ring light and i'm playing the kind of quick shifty look to the left and right game <laughs> trying to record a video because i've tried to memorize the script right? yeah it's that's hard what, isn't it I, I mean and these are like 
some of my videos were like seven minutes. Oh, that's long, yeah. Which is like what? Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to memorize these things, and it was okay at first because they were quite small, maybe two and a half minutes, and I sort of memorized it. I'd flick a little look and pick up pick up the words mm-hmm. and crack on, and I think they were okay. Mm-hmm. The longer the the presentations became, because I was really driven by adding value and detail. Mm-hmm. The harder it was to memorize absolutely those, yeah. those scripts, right? And then I got into a real paddy of, well, oh, that's not the right word. Stop. I mean, I literally did like 50 takes once on a on a video. I know that very experience. Oh man. And and you hear, oh yeah, just do a couple of videos a week. And I'm going, this is taking me like five <laughs> hours. I've not even exactly. done the subtitle thing yet, right? Which exactly. is another thing entirely. Mm-hmm. And so that wasn't really working. So mm-hmm. then I tried, well, I'll just do bullets. Right. I'll do but I'll do bullets. And so I started to write out my script and then make bullet points of the script and give me some direction. And I know there are really, really good guys who can kind of memorize a journey and put bits of a story to the journey and, and crack through it and bring it. And the bullet points didn't really work for me. And I think this is where okay. I look at Meg and, and Max, both dyslexic. And I look at me, I have a terrible short-term memory to hold mm-hmm. stuff in, like really, really bad. So I think I'm a bit undiagnosed with that. So the bullet point thing wasn't really working. And the big shift for me was making the kind of uh, gut check that I started to research teleprompters, mm-hmm. right? And I had this, uh, if you can imagine a kind of old-fashioned cartoon with the character with an angel on one shoulder and the devil on another. Mm-hmm. And the and the angel's going, it's fine. Get a teleprompter. You'll feel better about stuff. It'll be cool. And the devil's going, no, don't do that. You'll be a cheat. You're a cheat. <laughs> yeah. You're not being honest. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God. Because all my videos are like one take, right? There was no editing. There yes, no I noticed cut. that. Yeah. Because I, I, yeah, I just didn't want it to, I wanted it to feel natural. Yes. And I, again, I wrestled for ages about getting a teleprompter and and then I got one, a little tiny mobile one that fits on a camera and and I did my first video. And my it like took minutes. Yes. I'd written a script, so I knew the content. And yes, I am reading the content, but I'm presenting because actually I can concentrate not on trying to remember the words, I can concentrate on the delivery, mm-hmm. on the timing, on the intonation, on the expression. And I felt like instantly so much more confident mm-hmm. you know i got over the whole hang up about well you don't know the topic it's not that i don't know the topic mm-hmm. it's just that i can't remember the words yeah, right? exactly. that's 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 a biological thing mm-hmm. and the minute i'd got over that everything kind of like just smoothed out mm-hmm. and videos today all the time is taken in the script so i write the script it is exactly as i'm speaking uh, it's about putting pauses in that script that, mm-hmm. that feel natural. And then that's what gets loaded to the teleprompter. And okay. then that's, that's how I talk and it works. I've literally, because I'm a cheapskate, I've borrowed my brother's uh, digital SLR camera. The little, um, it's called a padcaster teleprompter that I use. And it literally comes with these fixing rings that you stick onto the lens of the camera. Got it, And you yes. slide your mobile phone. Your mobile phone uses an app that effectively reverses the text and then scrolls that fits under this kind of two-way mirror thing. So you've got your camera, the little teleprompter and your mobile phones acting as the script. Okay. Yes. I've seen those before. So you would need a DSLR camera effectively for, yeah. For doing that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And these things come, it comes with, I don't know, 
a dozen or so different size rings. So if you, mm -hmm. you're bound to fit, right? But you're looking right down the camera. Yes. You are looking right down the camera with it, which is really, really important. Because, yep. you know, I thought I was getting away with the eyes flicked to the left and right. And I look back <laughs> at those videos now, I'm going, wow, I've got, I've got some kind of eye issue <laughs> going, going on here. You're fooling no one, Andy. Yeah. Right? But with this, look, I don't use a teleprompter all the time. But for longer scripts, it's, it's so much easier. Mm -hmm. The end result is so much better. Um, that it's, and to me, it's all about the presentation. So yes. if, if, that, if that works, go with it. Forget about the devil and the angel on your shoulder. Yes, Just, absolutely. Now, that's a really interesting point. It is what works for everyone and everyone will be different and unique with that. So that, I think that's a, that's a really beneficial point there about using, if you have or can get access to a DSLR camera, that means that when you look into that wider lens and using use a teleprompter, it looks like you're speaking rather than reading something. Um, but if, I, I think it just takes a little practice Yeah, because it feels weird. Mm. like really weird and you think your eyes are really moving around a lot okay and when you adjust <laughs> the size of the of the text and the position of it in in the window you're really not and then the distance that you're sat back or stood back from the camera make, makes quite a bit of difference mm -hmm. but i've i don't know about you but now i've started to kind of use one on occasions i watch news readers on telly right because they're using they're using teleprompters yes absolutely here's morgan he uses a teleprompter. He ignores <laughs> it a lot, but he uses a, a, a teleprompter, right? And you, and their eyes are kind of they move it a little bit. Yes, true. Then. But it's not that it's not noticeable if you do it properly. No, it's a good point about practicing it, isn't it? It's, it's something so unfamiliar to us. It it might seem like everyone can tell we're reading when that's not necessarily the case at all. And I think this comes back to knowing your content, right? Yeah. So if I didn't know my content, I would be scrolling up and down with my eyes down that screen, trying to chase the text, right? But because I know the topic, I'm kind of waiting for the scroll to come around. I know what's coming. I know that I know the words. It's just a confidence boost. That's all. That's all it really is. Yes, absolutely. So, so my eyes are fixed in the middle, um, which could be, you know, I don't want to stare my audience out. No. You know, that's, <laughs> that's the other danger of the teleprompter is like, you go, oh, my God, I must stare down yes. the teleprompter. No, you just be natural. Yes, you absolutely don't have to. A lot of people think you have to stare into the camera all the time, but it's it's not natural. You, you wouldn't speak to someone like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You just you just wouldn't. Um, you, you look away, you think you, you do all those mm -hmm. kind of gestures. That's what you're looking for. The, the teleprompter is just it's just a helpful guide, right? It's just mm -hmm. a crutch. And uh, I, I personally, I, I found it very, very helpful for, for longer presentations. Right. And that's really great to know your process. It's fantastic. Um, one, another question actually about speaking on camera, which I mm. think is just an interesting one to explore is why do you think you are confident about speaking on a stage, for instance? Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> when you're speaking on a stage, you don't think I need a teleprompter. I need these notes. No. All these things don't go on. Why do you think there's this huge gap between as soon as the camera starts recording, we, we can't speak and we can't memorize it or become so complex? Where what What is happening there between in this gap? Look, I don't know if it's the same for everybody, but I think if you concentrate too hard on something, it becomes harder sometimes. <laughs> and that's I, that's not a great sentence. No, but, but it's true. I, I get that because I know if I'm doing my own videos, if I'm focusing so much on getting a specific sentence exactly right, then I just can't speak that sentence. Something oh, happens to me. The simplest words become absolutely <laughs> impossible to get out. Whereas I think when you're on stage and particularly if it's a if it's a friendly audience, 
you're looking around. You're, mm-hmm. you're looking to try and find a bit of comfort in people. Yep. You're able to gauge the reaction. Yep, really good point. Right, which really boosts your confidence. It so does, yeah. If, if, you're, if you're killing it on stage and people are engaged and they're enjoying it, uh, you any anxieties that you have mm-hmm. just pale away. Yes, it's true. I mean, I'm sure somebody as good as good as you, it kind of takes that for granted. But I think the first time, I think the first time you kind of get out there and you're nervous and you deliver a line or or a piece and it goes down well, Mm -hmm. there's a there's a huge relaxation thing that kind of goes on. You kind of I don't know about you, you sink into the stage a wee bit. You really do. You're like, this is good. Yeah, it's a really interesting point. In fact, that's something I have said on one of my videos about the difference between the anxiety levels you feel on camera is, well, one reason is because you're not getting that immediate feedback. When you're speaking to a room full of people, there's something that actually happens to your brain and to your confidence where you're realizing in that moment, it's okay to speak in front of others. I can do this. And in the moment, you're developing confidence. Whereas on camera, that's not actually happening. I think, yeah, I mean, that, that exactly what I was going to say about the camera thing. There's no reaction. I think in the live scenario, it can also work the other way. So if you're, yes, if you're delivering and it's not going down, um, it can do a number of things. It, it can freak you out. But what I've found in my past is it made me work harder. Okay. And it actually made me focus on the pockets of the room that were with it. Mm-hmm. Because there's this kind of bow wave thing that happens. I think it's been scientifically proved in crowds, mm-hmm. like with some really amazing visualizations of what actually happens with applause and, and what have you. In that, if I would look, I would look for pockets. If it wasn't going well, I would look for pockets. I would avoid the guy yawning. Yes, absolutely. Right? <laughs> I would. Yeah. I would have him in the bar afterwards. But <laughs> I, I would, I would avoid that, and I would look for pockets that were engaged, whether they were friends absolutely. or people who were getting it. And I would play to them mm-hmm, because for sure. then what I started to see was the ripple effect from, from those guys. Yeah. It gives you energy, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, which is not what you get on video. It's, no. it's, it's you and a lens. Yes. I also think there's something about because it's recorded, we think every word has to be absolutely perfect and that you mustn't say, you know, a single um or ah. <laughs> so you become so self-conscious about every single word. Whereas I think if you were just speaking on a stage and you said, you know, the odd um, well, one, you wouldn't say, okay, I need to stop and re-record that. You would just continue. So there's just a completely different mindset going on. I 100% agree with that. I mean, I go back to when I was a kid in short trousers doing drama classes <laughs> and what have you on stage. And the thing that you're taught back then, yeah, you talk about enunciation and all that kind of stuff, but you're also talking about your gestures, right? So on, on stage, it's really easy because you've got a load of space. Yeah, It's really easy to kind of be really uh, accentuated in your, in your actions. Absolutely. And I think the first thing I noticed when I was doing videos was I, in my head, in my body, I thought I was showing my age now i thought i was like magnus pike right i was waving everywhere or i was really energetic with it and i watched the videos back and i'm like oh my god I, i'm not even moving <laughs> the things that i think are really energetic are kind of like so watered down on video okay. yes they're diluted mm-hmm. so i think you consciously on the video thing another thing to think about is really dialing up the movement the gestures because yes. what you think is heavily exaggerated unless you're incredibly in tune with your body it's not it's Mm -hmm. going to be nowhere near the volume you think it's at 
absolutely. Right. Yeah, it's a really good point. And also your facial expression. It can be so easy to get away with having a more or less blank facial expression if you're talking to a large crowd. But if you're on video, it becomes so uh, paramount that, that there's a blank expression yeah. going on. It's, well, this is dull. He's not <laughs> yeah. enjoying it. I'm not enjoying it. And in, yet in your head, you could be thinking, oh, my God, I've got to watch these eyebrows. They're all over the place. And then you watch the video back and it's like, has he even got eyebrows? I mean, what's what's going on? So <laughs> I think it's just don't be. I mean, some people say I never watch my videos back. Oh, gosh. I, I mean, you got to watch the video. Absolutely. Back. Yes. Can you talk us through that process as well about the importance then of you? So you've done the video, you've, you, you've scripted it out. You've done the prep. Yeah. The bullet points didn't work for you. But the teleprompter has worked for you. And then what? So. I would say it would be very important to watch it back, just as you said. Tell us a little bit about that process. Yeah, I mean, it's it's cringy yes. at the start, but I think it's a bit of the process that you have to get into. I mean, lots of people say, I, I hate the sound of my own voice. Yes. Okay, fine. Other people might think you've got a very different voice because what you hear is not what other people hear. Exactly. Right? Very good point. It's so true. And um, I think you have to listen. And not to critique your voice mm -hmm. because your voice is what you have mm. right but look for things like do you do i even look engaged with the topic that i'm talking about mm -hmm. um do the points i'm trying to make come across how do i come across as a person Does, is my personality coming across so i i sort of when i started to watch videos back i started in the wrong place okay. i was going oh god <laughs> just he's just he's just rambling uh he's trying to say too many things at once and that's useful mm -hmm. but really i started to look at the overall kind of delivery Good. was, so it, was i trying to get across was i getting across my personality first mm -hmm. was i getting across the points second and if i'd written the script actually the points should be fine that's more about timing and delivery and accents and, and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. But the important thing for me, and I think for most people when they're doing video, and this is what make I think what makes people choose in the first place is where's that connection? Yeah. Have I got a connection with that person? So go back to that live piece on on stage or on mm -hmm. a conference. Or There's a connection. It can be a bad connection or a good connection, but there is a connection. And depending how it's going, you can work on those connections when you're when you're talking. Mm -hmm. Video, you, you come back to that reaction thing. You you don't know. No. So you have to watch it back. You have to watch it back to say, how am I coming across? And don't be afraid to share that with other people before you go and, you know, edit and commit and all that kind of stuff, because it can be really, really useful. Really sure. useful. Yep. But yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's really, really important. So get over the voice thing, get over seeing yourself on camera and just treat it as, you know, it, it, am I coming across? And if not, well, what do I need to dial up to make that happen? Yes. Um, and if it's too much, okay, what do I need to dial down? If it feels false, right, what do I need to soften it a little yep. bit? That's a great process of self-evaluation. I think it's a really good point what you mentioned about sort of cringing at your own video and the sound of your voice. And I think, I don't know, I don't think I've met anyone yet who hasn't cringed at their own video and the sound of their voice. So that's kind of comforting to know, well, we all have that same experience. So then what, what can you do after that? So you have this sort of, period where you cringe at yourself then you realize okay well this is me <laughs> so how can I move on from this and then then you develop a skill I think which is that self-evaluation an ability to look objectively at your own video 100% agree with that I mean when you interviewed Donald Trump 
you'll probably find someone go, yeah, I'm, I love my voice. Uh, I, I, I love all that stuff. He'll be the guy that you'll meet that go, yeah, yeah, I'm amazing. Um, there will be people out there for sure. I just haven't met any yet, but yes. And, and you know what? I'm cool with that. that that's yep. great to have that level of self-confidence. Yep. Brilliant. Puts you ahead of the game, frankly. Sure, yep. But I think the lesson here is everybody has a place to do this. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm amazed when people say, oh, you've, you know, on, on my podcast and stuff, we oh, have a really, really good voice. And I'm like, I've lived with this voice for ever. What, mm-hmm. what, what, I, I don't get that. Like, <laughs> you can't see, you can't you, hear your own you voice. You can't hear that. Um, yeah. You know, I think you, you've lived with it forever. You know, it's, it is what it is, but it's, you can make it new and fresh for other people. And I, I think, yeah, I'm repeating myself, but I think that connection is really important on video. Mm-hmm. Is your personality coming coming across? That's all you can judge. You can't judge people's reaction because until it's gone live. No. And even then people ghost it and not everybody's going to comment and absolutely. You know, yes. Like, and, and, and that's a whole nother kind of neuroses to get over later on. Yes, right? absolutely. <laughs> that's the next step, isn't it? There is a longer process involved in, in videos, isn't it? Because there's that delayed reaction. You can't get the reaction immediately from the audience so that you you post it and then you wait. You are sitting there waiting for the dopamine hit of <laughs> a like, and, and you check that like, is it my mum? <laughs> or is it someone kind of i really want to to like this in, in, in yes. business and it, it's a dangerous dangerous thing to get get too hit up on absolutely yes and that i think that's why your point about giving value is so important mm. because then you know okay have i given value well that's what's most important so if i think about my my own purpose mm-hmm. right i know that my purpose is to try and help more people have more fulfilling work lives right Brilliant. so if my videos talking about i don't know anything from trust to purpose to values all that kind of stuff if one person listens to that and it makes a positive change for them or they take it back into their organization and they have a chat about it and some little bit of change happens i'm good excellent i'm really good i mean yeah i'd love to get work commissions and all that kind of great stuff out of it and you know turn struggling businesses around and make them more sticky and all that kind of stuff but that's at the end of the scale mm-hmm. one person if i can affect one person in one little way then i've added value brilliant and, and that's what you need i think absolutely fantastic thank you for sharing that thanks for sharing your your purpose that leads me on to my next question which is actually about your inspiration so uh, who inspires you i i repeat myself a wee bit but my kids and that's not meant to sound trite, mm-hmm. right? Because it it can feel it can feel like that. But I've talked about Meg and 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 Max, her fourteen year old brother. You know, they they're both got learning difficulties, those sorts of things. They would kill me for talking about this in in, in public because they're kind of like, Dad, it's just a thing, you know. But but that's what I mean. That's the whole point of this mm-hmm. is that they're so resilient. Wow. Around these things. You know, whether it's bullying or learning difficulties or, you know, not being academic or not necessarily being the the typecast kind of boys into sports, you know, he's into drama and all the things that that kind of bring out. I look back and go, as a kid, I would really have maybe struggled with some Mm -hmm. of that stuff. You know, I was a chorister back in the day, right? Mm. And that was tough enough. Mm. And I was good at sport. So I kind of was able to mask that stuff so between sport and showing off 
in class. <laughs> the chorister thing kind of slipped by. Sure, you know? yeah. The bully would ignore me every other week, which was mm. great, right? Gave me a rest. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, kids have to deal with a load of different stuff. And to see both both my kids kind of just, yeah, struggle with some of this stuff, mm-hmm. but but never give up and and crack on and deal with those things. And actually, just remarkably, if I take Max, like, see things from the other person's perspective okay right so even on things like like bullying i'll sit around the table and we'll have a chat about this stuff and he's talking about why the other person might be acting like they are like me back it back in the day i'd be oh just raging yeah the other person and it's unfair and he just He's got a different perspective. It's real wisdom and maturity, isn't it? It's ridiculous. And mm. it embarrasses us because, <laughs> you know, we get hit up about all sorts of things and take things incredibly seriously that really are first world issues. Yes. Right? And I'm inspired by their ability to kind of just deal with stuff mm-hmm. and crack on. So whether it's Meg kind of sitting in her room doing a- amazing makeup art mm-hmm. on a video channel or whether it's Max so upstairs with with an electric piano that I bought one Christmas because I was going to learn the piano, right? Which I think it lasted like five days. Uh, and yet he's upstairs, no lessons, just finding a way to play music and just cracking on. Brilliant. And they're the guys. Because if they can deal with what they've had to deal with and just plow through it and crack on me sitting here going do i really want to record that video today what if what if what if people don't like me and yes i do have a ridiculous need to be liked by people that's just Mm -hmm. my personality it's not important no i think we all have that 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 urge isn't it and that need everyone wants to feel liked and it's 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 natural to feel that way It, it it is but i i think we, you can take inspiration from from anywhere. It doesn't need to be, you know, hugely deep and worthy and absolutely all that kind of stuff. But for me, they're the guys that if they if they can deal with this stuff and they can get over it and do great things that they're happy with, and that's the most important thing they are happy with, I can do the same. I love that. That's so beautiful. That's really inspiring. Yeah, excellent. Bless you. What about if you were to think of three main takeaways to share with people today? What would oh. they be? Look, I think these won't be particularly original, right? But they're, I guess they're... they're Whatever tenets. works for you. Yeah, well, they're tenets, I guess, that I would use. So I think the first one is look, be authentic. Hmm. Don't try and be someone or something that you're not. Because it's it's hard enough doing this stuff without trying to pretend to be something else. Yeah. Just be natural. It's so <laughs> much easier to be natural and be yourself. And people will like that. Mm-hmm. Human interest is like... We're humans. We're interested in other humans. Okay, so so be be an authentic human with this <laughs> stuff. I think secondly, regardless whether you think you're show off, extrovert, introvert, whatever else, look, be planned <laughs> in this stuff. Ha- have a process. Find your process that plays to your strengths. Don't just do it because oh, it's the number one researched process that <laughs> YouTubers tell you that's what you've got to do nuts to that find your process try some stuff but find the thing you're most comfortable with that puts you most at ease gives you the most confidence and then i think the third one is really easy to say and i think comes with time and that's just enjoy it this is not kind of 
brain surgery <laughs> or complex nuclear physics that if you make a mistake, there's some serious consequences. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this is a cave like there are going to be the way we exactly. get nervous about it. You'd think there'd be serious consequences. Exactly. Listen, just enjoy it. This is fun at the end of the day. Yeah. Right. It doesn't matter whether you're trying to give a serious message or you know, a bit of bit of humor, I think, goes a long way, whatever the situation. But just enjoy it. Enjoy the process. Enjoy getting the content together. And really try and enjoy the delivery. Because once it's done, it's, it, it's done. Yeah, indeed. Right? Oh, that's fantastic. Three really, three really fantastic takeaways there. Thank you. So where can people find out more about you? Uh, well, a, a couple of places, really. Um, so I, I run a company called bizducer consulting which, which deals with engagement and workplace culture stuff so there's my website bizducer.com but i think the place that i would like people to find out a bit more most is my is my podcast right called yeah. Stick, sticking from the inside uh dealing with those sorts of topics but a bit like you i get to sit down with some amazingly talented people and mm -hmm. just gas on about purpose and values and it's culture. fantastic uh, it's just great fun <laughs> yeah you know really good fun so yeah you can you can you can find that on any platform and yeah come and have a listen let me know what you think i'll be really interested excellent and those i'll include the links to your website and your podcast in the show notes so people can get access to that quite easily cool and of course i'm all over linkedin so Brilliant. Uh, there we are excellent okay fantastic thank you so much andy hey thanks for having me really enjoyed it my pleasure thank you Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. But most importantly, I hope you gained a huge amount of value from it so that you can implement these tips into your own life and start to see results. If you'd like to learn more, then check out my website, breakthroughpublicspeaking.com.